Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Natalia Reagan. Happy Thanksgiving to our listeners in the United States. Today, you'll learn about why the more you wish for self-control, the less of it you have, the longest trackway of fossilized human footprints ever found, and a trick to keep familiar experiences, like a holiday meal at home, feeling fresh and new. Let's satisfy some curiosity. The holidays are here, and that's got many of us wishing for self-control. You know, the discipline to not eat all the pie or not buy gifts for ourselves when we're supposed to be shopping for others. Well, be careful what you wish for, because depending on the task, the more you wish for self-control, the less of it you may end up having. In a study published in 2017, researchers measured people's desire for self-control by having them rate their level of agreement with statements like, I want to be able to better resist temptations. Then they began working on either an easy or a difficult assignment. Those who did the best on the challenging assignment were the least likely to say they'd like to be better disciplined, and those who did the worst were the most likely to wish for more self-control. Of course, it could be that the people who aced the difficult task did so precisely because they already had self-control. I mean, you don't wish for something you already have. So the researchers controlled for that by actually manipulating people's desire for self-control. They asked volunteers to write an essay explaining either why self-control was a good thing or how it could cause problems. Then the volunteers had to complete either an easy or a hard task. Again, those people who were made to want self-discipline did worse on the difficult task than those who wrote about how self-control causes problems. But there's a twist. In both experiments, a desire for self-control had no effect on the participants' performance on the easy tasks. That suggests that it's only on really challenging stuff that a wish for discipline comes into play. But why? Essentially, you psych yourself out. Thinking about things you wish you had highlights the fact that you don't have them. To fight this effect, the researchers suggest a few things. If you find yourself wishing for discipline, try your best to connect that wish to a specific action you can take. Like, instead of wishing you had the self-control to avoid online shopping, take concrete steps to actually avoid it by blocking those sites on your web browser. The researchers also suggest reframing the idea of self-control. Instead of thinking of it as a trait you have or you don't, think of it as an unlimited resource you can tap at any time. Good luck! If you want to understand someone's perspective, you have to walk a mile in their shoes, as the saying goes. And a recent discovery allows scientists to walk a mile in a prehistoric pedestrian shoes, or footprints at least. Cornell researchers just unearthed the longest known trackway of early human footprints ever found, and the prints offer incredible details about the traveler's journey. The footprints were found in a dried-up lake bed in New Mexico's White Sands National Park. Footprints from now-extinct animals found nearby help scientists determine the track's age as more than 10,000 years old. These particular prints may have captured a prehistoric preschool drop-off. The person, either an adult woman or teenage boy, made a slippery, mile-long trek with a toddler in tow. Scientists figured this out by comparing the 400-plus footprints to those of modern humans. Tiny toddler tracks appear alongside the others at some point, suggesting the traveler was carrying the child and then set them down to rest or readjust. The kid was probably riding on the traveler's left side, judging from the larger indentation of the left foot. Researchers even get an idea of what the weather was like from the footprints. 
They believe the traveler was moving at a clip of almost four miles per hour or six kilometers per hour based on the step's spacing. That's pretty quick considering the toddler on their hip, so it was probably raining. Banana-shaped swipes reveal where the traveler slipped, and gaps in their stride show where they might have jumped over puddles. But that northbound trip was just half of it. The return trip south was much easier. The pedestrian southbound steps are smaller and follow the same path, with fewer slips. The child's tracks don't appear at all. This implies they knew the route to their destination, where they left the child and walked back unencumbered. This person wasn't the only one tromping around at that time. A mammoth and giant sloth cut across the human's northbound tracks. The team can tell from the sloth's track that it stopped to check for predators nearby. The traveler's southbound steps then overlap the animals, meaning they cross paths within hours before the mud dried. The steps were hard to spot at first, revealed only by slight changes in moisture that altered the color of the ground around them. And just as soon as they were uncovered, they disappeared. Though they survived 10,000 years in the ground, once they were excavated and 3D imaged, they disintegrated into sand. But the knowledge they gave us will last a lifetime. It's Thanksgiving today in the United States, but because we're still in a pandemic, a lot of us don't get to gather with friends and family. Instead, we'll just sit at our same old tables and eat our same old food. So we thought we'd play this throwback clip from Cody about how to keep those familiar experiences feeling fresh and new. Give these ideas a try. All right, Ashley, what's the last thing you got sick of? I don't get sick of very many things. In case you haven't noticed, I eat the exact same thing for lunch every single day. I'm so weirdly the same way. If I had to eat lean ground turkey meat or chicken and veggies every day, that would Easy. be it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is. You don't have to think about it. But not everybody's like us. So today we've got a simple trick to help you keep your favorite experiences feeling fresh and new. Nice. And this is really about fighting off something called hedonic adaptation, also called the hedonic treadmill. It has the treadmill nickname because it's talking about how you get back to a stable level of happiness even after something really good or really bad happens in your life. Just like if you're on a treadmill and you trip or something, you eventually go back to that regular speed. And to give you an idea of how big of a thing this is, one study showed that people who won the lottery weren't even very much happier than they were in the first place a full year after they won the lottery. Even a million bucks gets sold. So why is this? One paper blames hedonic adaptation on two main causes. First, we all love something new, but you can only discover so many things about that thing, right? Got a new car? Okay, well, there's only so many features and settings you can find and mess with before they aren't new anymore. Same for me goes for video games. The second cause is that even if you get a lasting benefit, like winning the lottery, your newfound wealth just becomes the new normal. It's not really a benefit anymore if it's just life, you know? So let's talk about how to get over it. A new study says all you need to do is liven up the things you're used to by experiencing them in new ways. Like in this study, researchers had participants eat popcorn with chopsticks, and they enjoyed the popcorn more. Another study had people watch their favorite movies with their hands cupped around their eyes like goggles. I love that. And the way I make things new, again, video games. I do this all the time by playing as a new character or trying a new mode or difficulty when the main experience gets stale. Maybe do single player instead of multiplayer. Yeah, and actually when I train for marathons, because I've done a bunch of them and that gets boring, is I'll just use a new training plan. I'm the same way with yoga also. Nice. So many different things. Anyway, try switching things up. You can email us to let us know how you come up with awesome ideas at podcastcuriosity.com. Let's do a quick recap of what we learned today. 
Well, we learned that it turns out wishing for self-control may actually counteract that goal. Ugh. So some suggestions to best sustain self-control include maybe blocking that website that you always buy stuff at in the middle of the night. Or maybe just reframe the idea by telling yourself that that thing that you really, really want to do is kind of an unlimited resource that you can do anytime you want. So uh, who needs to do it today? Yeah, I think it's also important to note that when it's a holiday, self-control is overrated. I mean, when you go hog wild one day out of the month, it's not going to do much damage, right? Just have fun. Enjoy yourself. It's fine. Eat that pie. Eat that pie. <laughs> exactly. I agree. I When I was younger, I, you know, I, man, I, when I was younger, I had a lot of issues with food and self-control and stuff like that in terms of just being way too hard on myself and a lot of it just falling into traps of what one should look like and whatnot that I think is unfortunate. And now I've, I've got a much more, I think, um, gentle approach when it comes to self-control and things like that. You know, like, come on, life's short. If anything taught us, if, if 2020 taught us anything this year, life's short. And why not have that extra piece of pie if you want it? You know, we're all going to we're going to be fine. And we learned that scientists discovered the longest set of prehistoric footsteps ever discovered in modern day New Mexico. They determined it was either a woman or a teenage boy who had a toddler on their hip. And based on the speed of their walk, it was possibly raining. And I think coolest of all, they crossed paths with a mammoth and a giant sloth. That's incredible. I'm jealous. <laughs> I just love the toddler tracks. That's my favorite detail. I mean, it's obvious that we've always had babies and toddlers, but to see this trek that someone took and see that they had to put their baby down to readjust and kind of give themselves a little break from carrying it is just so relatable. I love it. Yeah, it reminds me of the Laetoli footprints that were near Olduvai Gorge in East Africa, and they think it was by an Australopithecus afarensis individual. And it looks as though maybe there was a kiddo with them that was hopping in the footprints. You know, like when you're walking with a, an adult when you're a little kid and you like, whether it's like mud that you want to jump in and, you know, kind of match their footsteps, almost like hopscotching their way through the desert. And I just love that, you know, this little toddler, it, it humanizes the past in a way that we don't get to do very often. Definitely. Yeah. They had their kid. You know, they're just hanging out. And, oh, look, a giant ground sloth. Megatherium. Yeah. We also learned that to escape the hedonic treadmill or good things not feeling as good anymore, try to switch up your routine. Like trying to eat your favorite fruit a different way. Or if you're a gamer, try playing as a new character. Heck, I might try eating peanut butter with chopsticks. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, one thing that I'm doing with my friends is we're all signing up to make a dish and then we're going to divide it up into individual servings. We're going to go to a public place like a park. And then we're all going to exchange food so that we have food that other people cooked, which honestly, I think is one of the best things about a holiday meal. And I'm really excited to do it. And plus, I'll get to see my friends. It'll be great. Well, that's perfect. I love that. Hopefully next year you will actually not have you'll be able to to hug your friends. We don't know yet, but hopefully, you know, but Friendsgiving, I think, is a great tradition to have if you're not able to go home. And of course, we're having to do that in a modified way if you are living in a COVID hotspot, which I think all of us are at this point. <laughs> yeah, everybody in the United States pretty much. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. So one of the interesting things about tradition or routines Tradition especially, I remember being in anthropology class, a theoretical class, this idea of tradition being old 
and it's just an old thing that just exists. But it's no tradition is new because every generation has to choose to maintain that tradition. So if you decide to abandon it, you know, it's gone, you know, so it's kind of always getting re-upped, re-upped, re-upped. So you can abandon tradition and create a new one. So it's this, I think, an interesting way of looking at tradition is not something like we have to do it because it's tradition. It's like, no, you can either choose to keep doing it or you can abandon it and start a new one. And then therefore you can kind of keep that going into future years or generations. But there's no need to to look at tradition as something as old. It's actually kind of as new as you've chosen to keep it. I love that. Yeah. Today's stories were written by Steffi Drucker, Ruben Westmus, and Anna Todd, and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Natalia Reagan and Sonia Hodgen. Today's episode was edited by Jonathan McMichael, and our producer is Cody Goff. Go ahead and have that extra well, entire pie. And join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.